It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Suns, pretty Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, I'm your host, Evan Setter, and my co host, Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at EastSaturdayFallBrown on Twitter at BrendanClean14. You can also follow our Locked On Suns Twitter page, Monterey, at LockedOnPHXSuns. Your support over there is very much appreciated, as always. We're joining you guys today for our Thursday episode. We're going to have a little news wrap episode once more for you guys. We're going to take you around the league a little bit. From really, a lot of news has broken the last 24 hours as it relates to the Suns a little bit. The first segment we wanted to hit on, though, it relates around Draymond Green, his comments about Marquise Chris taking kind of a shot at the Phoenix Suns organization, and really the media as well as saying they weren't being critical enough of the Suns a couple years ago. And then as well, we're going to hit on the D'Angelo Russell, Devin Booker, currently in town, Slam Magazine cover, where D'Angelo Russell had slip at the end that that dream of them all three playing together one day is still on the table. And then finally, we're going to go around the league and talk about the Bradley Beal extension, what that means for the league, and also some other Suns-related news for you guys. So let's start off first, Brennan, with the Draymond Green news. Why don't you let the listeners know if they haven't already what what that's about? Yeah, well, I mean, we've all, we've already covered the Marquise Chris kind of mini breakout, if you want to call it that, in Golden State and the way that he's turning heads in that organization. Talked about how uh, a player went, I guess not on the record, but spoke with a Warriors reporter about a meeting where he kind of made the case for. Chris to stay on the roster despite the the challenges financially of keeping him around and all that stuff so that's the context here but the the newest part of that is uh, Draymond Green going uh, on the record this time and in front of a bunch of cameras and talking about how you know uh, people wrote Chris off because of the the circumstances and the situation in Phoenix and that players basically, I mean, he said Phoenix writers are never going to criticize the organization, uh, but I think his broader point was that 
you know, players tend to most often get criticized and blamed for stalling developmentally in a certain situation when, for the most part, that is the, the fault of the team. And I think, like, my perspective on this was, like, around the league, I, I do think that that's a pitfall that analysts can get into where if a player doesn't do something or can't execute or, or doesn't add skill to their game, then it is kind of put on their plate but I think we've all locally and nationally learned our lesson with the Suns that I think a, a proper amount of the blame here tends to go to the organization. And even keeping that in mind, I still really did. I'm wrong. I mean, it seems like I'm wrong now, but I really still thought that Chris was as close to a lost cause as a young NBA player can get. So I'm still surprised that he's done this and, and uh, made a case for himself here to stay with a great team. But at the, at, at the same time, I don't think it's correct that Phoenix kind of evades the blame here. They are as uh, challenged by the media as any organization in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I was just joking around earlier on Twitter, and I've seen other people joke around about it, just about like how Draymond Green must be not reading Bright Side of the Sun, or he must not be reading our, all of our coverage. We, I mean, I think at times, Brian, we've been critical of the team when it's needed to be. I think everyone else has as well. And it just goes to show, I think, just a lot of people haven't been paying attention to the Suns organization the past couple of years because I know the Suns are partly to blame here, Brennan, for Marquise Chris's lack of development. But, I mean, a lot of that falls on the player, too. And that's not only for Marquise Chris, but also Dragon Bender and Josh Jackson, two other examples there, where I think both parties here, as far as the franchise and the player here, just didn't work out. Yeah, I think the, the Suns, like, the track record speaks for itself. If this was just a case of Marquise Chris, I think you know, it would be a different sort of conversation. But I think as time has gone on and we've seen Dragon Bender, Chris himself, Josh Jackson, basically every second round pick this team has made or did make under Ryan McDonough, uh, all of those things tend to pile up. I think it's pretty obvious at this point that the Suns were the problem here for a lot of different players. We talked yesterday briefly as we were closing up about even a guy like Daniel House or Derek Jones Jr. who have gone on to be interesting and, and uh, interesting role players who continue to grow. And so this is not just Marquise Chris, and I think it's, it's definitely fair to put the blame on the Suns at this point with all those different uh, circumstances. And uh, I, like I said, I don't necessarily think Draymond, like, you're right, I, I don't think he really was meaning for that to be the main takeaway here. We all had a laugh about it because we, we cover this team and we're the people he's talking about, but I think generally his point was more of, uh, how often the players get the blame here. And I think in that case, you know, you have to kind of side with him too because, I mean, this situation sort of proves him correct where a, a situation changes and now Marquise Chris is is playing a lot better. But it happens all the time around the league. Let me ask you this, this hypothetical situation here. What if Marquise Chris was just drafted to this organization and now what seems like on the surface, I know they haven't played an official regular season game yet, but from being around the organization, being on talk stores over the past couple months, it feels like it, there's change in the air as far as organizational structure. Do you believe the guy like Marquise Chris drafted so raw out of Washington, he just played college basketball and then played high school basketball for two years, so just six year, just four, three or four years total of professional or of basketball period in his development? Do you believe a player like that could have actually fit in the Sun system nowadays, or just how they're going about their development of their players? Well, I think the other factor too that. Uh, maybe dis gets discounted as well and it I think plays a role with somebody like Chris who I would even imagine Ryan McDonough would have admitted and I, I'm sure he said something to this effect when they drafted him it's a raw player like 
a, a player who is a little ways away, that's true no matter where they end up, right? It's about what do you do with that time, understanding that it is going to be a slower process, and some teams are better that, at that than others. But, you know, I think there's an element of this that's just like Chris maybe just needed longer than other players. So, yeah, the Suns didn't do him any favors by how they chose to develop him in the time he was in Phoenix. Probably the same could be said for the Cavaliers as well, who didn't really see any growth on his part for for the season that they had him last year. But, you know, now he's been in the league three years and getting to get to work with a coaching staff that's well-respected and obviously the track record they have speaks for itself with three championships. Um that's going to help a guy three years into his career. So uh, all that stuff, I think it, it all works in conjunction. And sometimes players still get spit out by that process worse for it. But in Chris's case, it seems like he at least can be a, a decent role player. We'll have to see. Like, he hasn't played a real game for them yet. But, you know, they all seem to really like him. And especially what he's doing in practice and all that seems to be rubbing people the right way. Uh, maybe he's grown. And, and there is obviously always a chance that that happens. Before we close out this first semi here, Bren, just from what we've heard so far, for the listeners who might be curious about it, is Marquise Chris in line to actually have a spot in the rotation here as far as being the Warriors' backup center when the season starts? It seems like uh, it seems like he's going to, at the very beginning of the year, um, Willie Cauley-Stein is out for them, which is a big reason why all of this is uh, being debated so so aggressively, and why the the Warriors, you know, to refresh people, like they'll they'll either have to cut somebody who's on a guaranteed contract and just eat that money. They w- they can also get rid of Alfonso McKinney, who played in last year's finals and is probably going to start at the three for them, or they can trade someone and clear up a roster spot and some cash that way. But the only reason that anyone I think is taking all this so seriously is that Cauley Stein was going to be their starter there. And he is out for quite a while, it seems like. He had a cast and was walking on crutches recently and all that. So uh, I don't know if that means Chris would necessarily start. They obviously have Kevon Looney there. So I think Chris would still be a a backup, but I think he'll play. I don't think they'll keep him unless they think he's going to play. So uh, definitely interesting to continue to watch. I mean, I was going to watch the Warriors no matter what, but uh, with that guy on the court, it's going to be a, a different level here, a different layer. Oh, that's for sure. And I think now with just more Suns draft storylines lingering through the organization now, this will mar- if Marquise Chris ended up doing well for himself, good for him. But I just feel like the situation on both sides after his second year was just kind of, in my opinion, unsalvageable with the situation. It was so much turmoil around the team. And I think Chris is just one of those guys you had to get rid of as far as the development of the other players on this team go, like Devin Booker, and just have a more structured environment. As we know, after that happened, another year of turmoil I had for the Phoenix Suns. But now hopefully as Booker enters his fifth year, I think hopefully there's going to be a good amount of stability around them with guys like Monty Williams and James Jones as the GM. But anything else you want to cover on Chris Brennan before we go on to the next segment? No. All right, let's dive in now to our next segment, which is going to be talking about Devin Booker, D'Angelo Russell, and Carl Anthony Towns, a slam story they had. But before I do that, I want to tell you guys about today's sponsor, which is Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now at $30 off your total purse of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at checkout. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. 
Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, Brian, let's talk more about the situation that I don't even know it's really a situation. It's just a, a cool story that was put out today on Slam Magazine. And I tweeted out uh, a, a, just a picture of the Slam Magazine cover earlier today. And no one really picked up on this beforehand. But at the end of the story, D'Angelo Russell said the following about Devin Booker and Carlton Towns, those three guys in their friendship together. When we're all on the same team, I ain't going to tell you which team because I don't know. We're going to do this again as far as taking our slam cover with all of them in the same jersey. So I just found that really interesting. It's kind of taken off a little bit on social media. What's your thoughts on the possibility of them still, after three years of saying this, they're still keeping this open? And it's obvious that at this point, it's, it, it might be a legit possibility down the line, but of course not right now in the short term. I think that it's not to uh, make a similar point to the one that I made about development here, but the way that I always try to look at things is like, is this a one-off or is it part of a larger trend? And if this was the first time we had heard these guys connected in any way, shape, or form, I, I think I would dismiss it a little bit more quickly. But this is a situation now where the the Suns and the Wolves were linked to D'Angelo Russell. The Wolves were in a meeting with Russell at the time that the trade to Golden State happened for D'Lo. Uh, the Suns, that was like number one topic of conversation, the end of June into the beginning of July for this team. And, you know, even dating back a little bit further than that, we obviously know Cat and Booker were, were college teammates, but we remember the picture, too, of, of Towns uh, wearing the Suns jersey, right? So this isn't a one-off. And this is something I think we have to take seriously, if not immediately, just as a... Uh, these guys clearly want to play with each other. They said it. Uh, and I think, you know, ignoring that at this point would be kind of silly. So I don't think it's something where we, we need to worry by this year's trade deadline that somehow these guys are going to take the owners by the scruff or by the, the collar of their shirts and start ordering them around but you know we talk a lot about what happens with Booker next if things don't turn around and I think these two guys are going to play a role with that it sure sounds like it and I think it's kind of the modern day version or I mean not really modern day but just the next wave of guys who want to play together in this NBA that's ever changing but I wanted to ask you this Brandon because now I know Booker kind of played off when Brightside of Suns Dave King asked him about it as as basketball camp and I, I believe late July after it happened but I wonder really after this came out today with D'Angelo saying this and just if you watch the video on YouTube too, they're all just hanging out and talking about just everything in life. But I feel like if the option was on the table for the Phoenix Suns to get D'Angelo Russell in, in July, and from what we heard, I believe Zach Lowe mentioned that he was kind of Booker was kind of talking behind the scenes about it. I wonder how loud that noise was behind the scenes back then in July in the first week of free agency. I think it it was probably I mean, we also know these guys spend a ton of time together. You know, the, the, the real purpose of the slam cover, obviously, uh, which was to be uh, completely open, 
<laughs> that was a story that I was kind of starting to think about trying to write and find a place to write it, and now it's a slam cover, which is cool because it's a story that should be told. These guys are budding stars in the league and have this really close friendship. This isn't just guys that casually talk to each other or happen to play for each other with each other once upon a time. I think they're genuine friends, and uh, and so it's it's not just a matter of what was going on in free agency. We can assume that they were with each other as this stuff was unfolding. So that that's big. I mean, like, if we've learned anything, you know, I think we're still starting to just understand the, the effects that these behind-the-scenes player relationships can have. But I think one thing we, we know by now is that relationships uh, between guys matters way more than it ever did before and, and the, their ability to talk to each other, recruit one another, create plans for their futures is maybe the number one team building, imp- the, the thing that impacts team building more than anything else in the NBA. I know this might seem far-fetched at the moment because uh, of course Booker and Towns contracts go over five more years, Russell four years, but I feel like this kind of thing being said is something you have to, if you're a GM around the league and you're long-term planning here, I mean, that's got to be something that's notable to you because that's three possibly of the top 15 players in the next five or so years. And those guys have the possibility of really openly saying they want to play together. I think every team now is going to circle those three guys and just be waiting for a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a it's an opportunity for other teams. I think it's also an opportunity for a team like Minnesota to or, or Phoenix to to really take it seriously. You know, and if I'm the Warriors or the Suns or any other team that has my eye on these three guys or one of the three, two of the three or whatever, I'm worried about Minnesota because I know their owner has almost as bad of a reputation as, uh, as Robert Sarver, you know, maybe not quite as bad, but definitely not uh, done any favors for himself with the amount of losing that they've done and the way he made himself look pretty foolish with the Andrew Wiggins extension a while back. But they have a smart general manager, and they've made a lot of good decisions recently um, that I've liked, at least. And Carl Anthony Towns is an incredible player. They've, they're more competitive annually than the Suns over the past few seasons. They had that meeting with Russell. I really feel like they would have signed him if, uh, if it weren't for the Warriors and they're wanting to get something back for Kevin Durant. So all of that stuff means to me that I think the Timberwolves would be the, the front runner to try to make something happen here. Now, Russell can't be traded for a few months here, but... After that, I think it's uh, it's free reign, and, and Minnesota would be who I'm looking at. Yeah, I was just about to ask you. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I feel like Gershon Rosas is the kind of guy, and like you mentioned, they were very aggressive with Russell as free agency began. Uh, I feel like Robert Covington and like two first-round picks to Golden State feels inevitable at this point. They're going to be the team I think that's talked about most. Not only do they need a point guard, they've been talked about with everybody available there, Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul, and obviously – uh, Russell here too. Uh, the Warriors are saying that they have no intention of trading Russell. They've maintained that all summer. Um, who knows? You know, it's easy to say that when the time, when it's illegal by the rules of the league to do it. But uh, I'm curious. I, I'm, I am because I think Rosas really knows what he's doing and understands. I think spending time in Houston and seeing the impact that the James Harden trade had on their whole organization. Just the value. I don't think Russell is at that level, but he's also very young. Just the impact that a, an all-star level playmaker can have on your team, and we know that that's Russell already. If you know, if the all-star thing may be a little cheap because he was a fill-in for an injury, but he's that level of player, and, and that can transform you, especially when you already have a player like Towns. So, yeah, Minnesota to me is is the front runner if this were ever to happen. But again, like, I don't think it's 
probably this season or maybe even next season because I think at the very least Devin Booker has not uh, begun to lay out the, the, the groundwork for leaving here anytime soon. But uh, the, the Russell thing, I think, is real for sure. Let me ask you this. We can close up this segment talking about this for a second if you want to. But let's just play a hypothetical situation real quick for the listeners. Let's say it's the year is 2022. The Suns are ascending. Devin Booker is an all-NBA player at this point. He's a, a multi-time all-star at this point. But if this is real and they want to play together and the free agents is coming up here, maybe Towns request a trade or something like that, do you think Booker is the type of person? I mean, obviously we don't know this yet, but if, if there's a possibility of, of these guys playing together, if you're James Jones and Booker says, if you don't do this, I'm going to probably leave in a couple of years, do you gut your team around Booker and, and have them? If this is actually a real thing on the table, would you trade everything for Booker and have these three guys play together eventually? I would, I mean, if I'm the Suns, I mean, you have to take it's, it. Like, are you, you're saying like, if, if from the Suns perspective, yeah. would, would I be, yeah. yeah. Like overall, like me saying like, because at this point, if you want to trade for Towns, it's going to take some assets. If you want to trade for Russell, it's going to take yeah. some assets. Like you, pretty much you're, you're gutting the team around Devin Booker, except maybe keeping one or two guys, or maybe at that point, no guys. Yeah, to me, I mean, I just, I think it would just take so much that it's hard to wrap my mind around what that would look like. Uh, I, I just have a hard time believing that it would be Phoenix. Yeah. Um, just for some reason, like I, I feel like just because the other, I mean, it won't be the Warriors either. That's that's a Steph, Clay, Draymond team. They're obviously those guys aren't going anywhere. They all make almost all the way up to the salary cap line themselves. Uh, Russell is is clearly like a role player type of guy there. It would be Minnesota, Phoenix, or any of the other twenty seven teams. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I, I think it would be more likely to see it happen elsewhere. But like, I think it's real realistic that. Um, you know, you have to like to, to frame it a different way, whatever it ends up being, I think you have to play ball. If Devin Booker proves himself either to be good enough where you think you can win a championship with him as the best or, or one of the best players on your team. And he asks for something like that, or on the other end, if it's clear that he has enough value elsewhere and and you're not getting where you want to go, you have to play ball the other direction and get rid of him. I mean, that's the reality right now. And I think teams that can get ahead of it, uh, are the smarter ones and, and end up better for it. Like the Thunder are going to suffer right now, clearly, but I think they're going to be very happy that they ended up figuring out what it took to get rid of their two stars this summer rather than putting it off and, and getting punished for it. Yeah, that's a good point, Bram, up there. And I think it's just something to watch, obviously not this year, but I, I, I don't think D'Angelo Russell and Devin Booker currently in time expected the firestorm that happened today. As far as the story, oh, I goes. think they did. You, I, think you so? have to know. You have to know what you're getting into when you say something like that at this point. Yeah, I, I agree with you there because I was just surprised. Like Rachel Nichols is talking about it today. I'm like, wow, this story is actually really taken off here. So I'm just curious to see how this will go down the next couple of years. It's a long term story, of course. But I think it was just fun to talk about here for a second as the slam cover dons Devin Booker on it with a retro Charles Barkley Suns jersey. So I know Suns fans will enjoy that one. No, it was a cool jersey too. <laughs> he. Uh, he went far back, and I think you have to. He could have worn a Nash jersey, but those those old school jerseys are way cooler. Uh, yeah, let's move on to our final topic here. We're going to talk a little bit about Bradley Beal, who just signed a new contract extension with the Wizards, uh, a guy we've kind of loosely talked about with the Suns and, and then maybe cycle through some more headlines around the league. Before we do that, though, today's show is also brought to you by the newest edition, something I'm really excited about. I'm going to avoid plugging our own show because I'm so excited about this one. It's the Hollinger and Duncan NBA show. So John Hollinger just came from the Memphis Grizzlies front office, spent a bunch of time there. You guys all will know him from ESPN back in the day, plus Nate Duncan, 
who I understand is not always the most popular guy among Suns fans, but is incredibly smart, incre- works incredibly hard, and doesn't do anything but his own show except for this one. So we got him to come out of, uh, of his own infrastructure there to do this show on the Locked On Network. It will be covering the entire NBA as we continue to broaden our national scope here. So if you want to stay up to date, it will just be once a week here, but you can't miss it. It's going to be awesome. I'm very excited, and I think they're starting up soon. So go subscribe to them and, you know, subscribe to us too. But, but get excited about the Hollinger and Duncan NBA show. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, so Bradley Beal, this morning it came out that he signed a new extension with the Washington Wizards, a guy who was thought of as potential. I mean, I kind of was thinking of him as probably the most gettable needle mover in the entire NBA this year. Is that kind of what you were thinking, Evan? Yeah, absolutely. When I woke up and saw this news, I think it broke at like 4.45 a.m. Pacific time, which of course Woj is working 24-7 with his connections. But I was stunned because I thought like you, Bradley Beal is going to be the player gets moved. Not Maybe not the deadline, but this next summer for a bounty of picks. The Warriors are going to reload around them and just blow up that team. But they really must believe that Bradley Beal and John Wall, once he's healthy in, in six months to a year, they're going to be really good. And once they get these draft picks like Rui Achimura, maybe they'll get another high pick this year. But if you're Bradley Beal, I'm just very surprised that you do this. But when you dive deeper into it, it's more so a long-term play by Beal's side because adding on these two years, that means once his, his contract's up, he has a player option the final year, he can opt out that final year and then cash out for his 10-year 10-year contract, which is what Paul George did with Oklahoma City, which is a lot more than you can make any time else. Yeah, and it's we've seen other players do it. I think KD, I mean, he was signing one-year deals with the Warriors for the most part, but one- and two-year deals, but he ended up getting a, a 10-year contract. Um, Steph has done the same. Like, that's that, that part of the CBA uh, is, is not going ignored by these players, so I do think that's part of it. I mean, also, like, $36 million a year the next two years. It's a two-year $72 million deal. Uh, that's, that is no chump change. And, uh, Washington, obviously having him on their roster, he's, they're the only team that could have given him that here right away. So unless, you know, he asked for a trade and then tried to do that somewhere else. And that's a whole lot uglier. So, you know, locks in a bunch of money at the same time. And I, I'm just surprised, uh, that he was willing to accept this kind of the same reaction you had, I think. And, that he was, you know, this money's not going anywhere. He's one of the better players in the NBA. I think if he had waited and gone to a different team or 
tried to ask for a trade later on, this still would have been there for him, this this level of money. There's always injury concerns and all that type of stuff, but uh, very surprising. We don't see a lot of players accept staying in a bad situation, and, and maybe this indicates that he doesn't think it's a bad situation. Let me ask you this, though, because I feel like, of course, it's kind of a cold tactic for maybe a player to do to a franchise that's drafted and developed him, but what do you think the odds are that, that Beal and his representatives got this this offer they couldn't refuse for two more years, but still at the deadline or maybe even summer of 2020 upcoming, he still asked out for a trade and he just took the guaranteed money here? Yeah, it would be not a good good look by him, but I think not being a good look for a player is just uh, a thing of the past at this point, right? I don't think anything is really out of play when it comes to a player. Um, I do think it it's obviously from a, like a, a public relations perspective, this is a commitment to the franchise, whether you, from whatever angle you look at it, and whatever happens down the road, you know, he didn't have to do this. He could have asked for a trade. Not only did he not ask for a trade, but he signs a new contract here. So uh, interesting to see him do that. Takes a tar- potential target. Not that I think the Suns were ever available because or interested, because I don't think Beal was really ever available to any great, great degree. Um, takes a, a target off the table, though, for the Suns and for the rest of the NBA. Um, the other smaller ripple effect here that I'm curious and just interested in and something I've talked about on the show a lot and we asked Kelly Oubre about it or I did at least uh, in our little mini podcast segment with him on media day is just the toxicity that was so widely reported in that Washington locker room when it was you know Oubre and Otto Porter and some of those other Marcin Gortat that era it was. I always just assumed Wall and Beal didn't get along, but it seems like these guys genuinely like each other. So I'm still just so curious what the problem was there. It might have just been the collective brokenness of that of those relationships, and maybe Wall and Beal never were the issue. Maybe no one person was ever the issue there. Yeah, from what we heard, just for years, it was John Wall and his leadership ability. But you might be right there. I, I think this what we've seen so far, and what we saw today with Bradley Beal committing to the Wizards again for at least two more years. It goes to show you that Tommy Shepard, the GM there who just got hired after his interim tag, has done a really good job selling Bradley Beal on the Wizards, which really is shocking to both of us, I believe. But I think another little news point we should hit on here, I don't know if you had it on your list or not, but the interesting thing going on in Sacramento with Buddy Heald. Okay. Yeah, that that was uh, not one that I had on my list, but we should have because I think it um – you know, it's just I, I like honestly the the if I'm taking it to from a Suns angle. So just to give people some context, did you see the the most recent number of what the contract offer was? It was somewhere around four years, a hundred or a hundred and ten million, right? Yeah, according to reports, they offered him four years, ninety million, around twenty two and a half million per year. But Heald and his representatives okay. went around one ten, which is okay. twenty seven and a half million per year. So that's five million per year discrepancy. Yeah, it's they're a long way off here, and just like. I don't know if people realize, but Buddy Heald last season had one of the top five years in the history of the NBA. Now, we know three-pointers have gone up, but top five three-point shots made over the course of a season in NBA history. That's the year that that Buddy put together last season. Um, And so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to think that he deserves a lot of money. And he also... If he goes to free agency next year, even restricted, he's getting paid. I, he's getting max, right? Yeah. Somebody will offer him a max deal. 
Yeah, definitely. I think just with the way the 2020 free agency is going, Bernie, I think it's fair to say that if he does reach restricted free agency at this point, he might just be the top free agent on the market anyways. Yeah, so, I mean, Pascal Siakam's the other guy here, and I don't think he'll really get to free agency. And regardless, I think Toronto's fine paying him the max anyway. For them, it's a timing thing. They're playing the other end of what the Suns did with uh, with Devin Booker. They're trying to wait on the contract and have some cap space next summer. Uh, we'll see if that keeps Pascal happy or not, but that's what I think what they're doing. Um, the other, like, the Suns angle for me with this Buddy Heald thing that I was getting at a moment ago is I think it shows you the value of shooting. As the Suns continue to try to build a roster that's just flush with shooting, uh, from a, a financial standpoint, I think as the league values it more, it, it's like a, a player like Buddy Heald, I think, would have been thought of as a specialist in the past, like a Marco Bellinelli, Kyle Korver, J.J. Redick type of player. Guys that, that certainly get paid but are not thought of as max players. I think his skill set's a little better than that. But, you know, he also had the thing last year where he was he aged quite a bit in a day because he revealed his, his true age. Um, and he's, he's fully in his athletic prime right now. I think he's turning 28 this season. So this is a guy who I don't think would have been valued the same way in the past. And I think the Suns, you know, like something they can take from this is that, you know, a, a Cam Johnson type of player, that's going to cost you more in the future than it will than it would have in the past. And I think this heel thing is going to show us that. I think one more thing as well I wanted to hit on as far as just the heel topic goes, and I, I long thought this, I just want your opinion of this as well, that I believe that the Kings cannot pay Bogdan Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald the money that they want. So I just think the situation is something we should monitor moving forward because if they pay Buddy Heald what he wants, I don't believe they can keep Bogdan. They they definitely uh, have a, an interesting decision to make here. I, I kind of agree with you, not so much in that they can't make it work. Obviously, any team can make anything work if they want to. I just think it's a matter, too, of they play similar styles. Like We saw the power of having both of them on your team, but I don't think you have to have both on your team. You know, De'Aaron Fox is going to be eligible for an extension soon. Marvin Bagley's already in the second year of his contract, so he'll be eligible after next season. Their team is young, so these these big extensions come quickly. And when you draft well, that's unfortunately the decision you have to make. We've seen Philadelphia part ways with good players, not a, not not a you know Dario Saric being one of them. And so Bogdan, I think, is just too much of an overlap. If you pick Buddy, then you're picking Buddy, and I think that guy becomes available. How funny would it be for him to become a son, though? <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Trade we up. We would all just, oh. yeah, it would, the the blow the glow up of Marquise Chris coupled with Bogdan coming back on way more expensive contract would just be uh, poetic justice, I think. What else here on, on the docket did you want to head on, Brennan? The last one I had was, uh, we can probably wrap up on this one. It's just Zion Williamson. Um, so Mason Ginsburg, who I know from my days blogging about the Pelicans, tweeted this out, uh, a, a an anonymous blogger or I guess not blogger like forum poster on a an LSU message board um (laughs) this like let's not take the get carried away here the bigger concern is that Zion Williamson is out for the Pelicans final preseason game and we know his history of injuries is concerning the last thing we want is for him to start his career on the wrong foot here from a health perspective but this guy about an hour or two, it looks like, before the injury was announced, came out and said, will you, like, how will you respond when they announce his injury? And then the injury got announced shortly after. And then this guy is apparently saying that it's a torn meniscus. 
So I'm not saying the guy is right. The bigger takeaway, as I said, is that Zion is hurt. And I just think, you know, as a, as a fan of the league, that's very sad to see. But the, uh, the conspiracy theory of this guy knowing something uh, really scares me because Zion tearing is anything, but a meniscus is a, is a, a serious injury. Any real long-term thing to his knee is, is very bad for how much weight he's carrying and all that and how athletically he plays. So I'm, I'm scared. Yeah, I would be too. I think Zion is a player that obviously is a special one. We obviously talked about him throughout the draft process, and we were phoning over the possibility of him being a Phoenix Sun. But if that's a real report, Brandon, he tore his meniscus. I wanted to ask you about Zion because it seems like he's 275, like 280 maybe. Like I feel like if his knees are going to be this much of an issue, we saw Blake Griffin early on. I think he carried a little bit of a heavier load early on than he does now. Do you think maybe this kind of signals to the Pelicans that Maybe Zion needs to lose some of the weight and maybe go down to like not like extreme weight loss or something like that, but like at least get some of that pressure off his joints. I I mean I think they probably yeah like we all have thought that right like I hope that that you know does he looks a little bit uh, if not slimmer like more more chiseled to me than he did at at uh, Duke so I think that that's been part of the process <clears throat> if anything this might just clear up how urgent it is. And I think you're right there. The, again, like we can pull Suns connections from everywhere here. The uh, Aaron Nelson, it will be the, the man up to that task. And that's kind of funny to, to pull it full circle back to Phoenix, but an interesting test uh, for the man who has such a great reputation for Aaron Nelson to be tasked with, regardless of if this is serious or not, it's something that they have to be careful of. This might seem like a hot take or maybe not just because I'm very high on that team. I didn't pick them to make the playoffs or anything. I think I have them as my nine seed. But I think even as Zion misses a couple weeks of time, Brian, that Pelican squad still looks really good to me. I'm excited. They're, they're the team I'm most excited to watch. And I hope Zion's healthy because that'll only make it more fun. But, yeah, uh, let's hope for health for everybody. Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, there's a lot of health risks in that group. And uh, let's let's hope that this random – forum poster on this LSU website doesn't know what he's talking about and is just trolling everybody yeah let's let's hope so for sure because I, I hope I want to see Zion play on Tuesday night I believe they open the season alongside the defending champion Toronto Raptors so that'll be a fun a fun night of basketball for the Suns tip off on October 23rd against Sacramento Kings but anything else in your news round if you want to hit Brent for we show no that's all I got a lot going on yeah, definitely on a thir- random Thursday before the season starts, Brian. It was a a lot of news dump into the last twenty four hours, which kind of took us off guard a little bit. That's the NBA, right? Yeah, the cycle never ends here with the NBA. So appreciate everyone listening on today's episode. We we'll back with you guys tomorrow for our next podcast. Awesome. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.